hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. It is so true. This is Epi 82 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, and I am your host, Mark Hershaw. Now, I'm not coming to you from Studio P. I'm not coming to you from Studio F, my fiat. I'm coming to you from uh, the dining room of uh, this new house that my wife and I are moving into. And it sounds a little echoey because there's not a whole lot in here yet. But it was the only place I could find a little peace and quiet. Uh, We still have about a week before we're all moved in. But there was nobody around, so... Here I am. Here you are. Last episode, I had our associate producer, Tyson Saner, co-hosting the show with me. That was a lot of fun. This time out, our special guest is Hal Lublin from the Thrilling Adventure Hour and the David Feldman Show. We first interviewed Hal last year when he was up for the 12th annual San Francisco Sketch Fest. This year, he was up for the 13th edition, and we caught up with him again. The whole interview is coming up a little bit later in the show, but here's just a taste of our rather free-ranging conversation. I think it was in maybe in Austin. They, they crowdsourced, they said, we, we want to rename our sanitation department. We want to, we want to rebrand it and rename it. And so they, they crowdsourced names, and they, the people picked something that was like, Fart Bungle Nutsack! That chat with Hal will be up a little later in the show, but first, we've got clips and other business to get to, right? I don't have a clip from the latest Chill Pack Hollywood Hour with Dean Haglin and Phil Larinus this time out. I'm running so far behind that I missed a couple of their episodes, including one from week before last. Now, their latest episode is quite entertaining, but I couldn't find anything bite-sized enough to pop in there. And, by the way, they didn't mention Suckatash this time. So I'll just remind you to check them out on iTunes or directly from the source at chillpackhollywood.com. We have two Burso Durst this episode, not just one, but two, so let's start the show off with one of them. Will rings in talking about the federal case being made to legalize pot. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a shout out to U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder for suggesting the feds might finally try to help out states that legalize pot by allowing their dispensaries to use banking services. Way to go, Super AG. That's so bitchingly righteous of you. See, right now, everybody dealing with pot is forced to use cash in all their financial dealings to buy inventory, pay employees, stock up on munchies, tip the pizza dude, everything. And that kind of accumulation of dead presidents tends to attract the sort of company you normally associate with wearing orange jumpsuits, sporting ankle shackles, watching Vin Diesel movies. But the times, they are a-changing. Even President Obama admitted that marijuana is no more dangerous than alcohol. And think of how many steps you have to go through to make liquor, or beer, or wine. It's not like you can walk into your backyard and pick a daiquiri off the cocktail tree. Pot grows right out of the ground. They don't call it weed for nothing. You pick it, dry it, and smoke it. Boom, that's it. Getting politicians to stop lumping all drugs together would be a major victory. But even a fifth grader can tell you that heroin is to pot like an Uzi is to a banana. Heroin kills. Pot giggles. Let's say you do run into a crazed pothead. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You might get fleas. That's about it. All right, there's Twinkie cream on your shirt. Wipe it off. Can't get the song Stairway to Heaven out of your head. Deal with it. 
It's not just a coincidence that this year's Super Bowl was played between the two teams from Washington and Colorado, the states that legalized pot. And to this day, I'm still totally surprised they didn't start the game at 4.20. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Will Durst is one-third of the subject of a new documentary that's almost done. I've seen a rough cut of three still standing. It's Will, Johnny Steele, and Larry Bubbles Brown, who was on the show just a few episodes ago, and it's terrific. In fact, I'm in just a little bit of the movie. The filmmakers are trying to raise a bit of money to finish up the film, so check out the trailer at their website, 3 stillstandingcom That's the number three, stillstanding.com. All right, without further ado, it's time for the 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. I know you're dying to know who moved the most up or down the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List this past week. Well, just listen. At 22, What About Pod is up seven places. At 32, The Brian and Jill Show has dropped 10 spots. At 36, Smodcast, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old has dropped 11 places. At 57, The Brian Callen Show is up 34 places. At 64, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine is up 36 places. At 73, Harmontown, up 32 places. At 81, Where's My 40 Acres podcast has dropped 8 places. At number 90, Three Guys On has jumped 102 places to get into the top 100. And at 92, Mr. No Good is up 108 places. But they're both dwarfed by our friend Craig Shoemaker. And the Craig Shoemaker Show at 94 has jumped 272 places to get up into that hallowed list. Glad to see our old pal Craig vaulting in there. We had him as our special guest way back in Epi 29, which means we're going to have to have him back on pretty soon. What about Succotash, you ask? Well, let's take a look. Oh, number 9465. Man, that is a tumble, I guess. Oh, man, last time our show was two hours long, and maybe we gave them too much Succotash. I don't know. Okay, lesson learned. Let's move on, and that's... The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. As you may or may not know, I'm one of the gang of reviewers that does This Week in Comedy Podcast, the column up at SplitSider.com every week, along with Zoe Schwab, Pablo Goldstein, Josh Sorakash, Robert Schoon, Scott Reynolds, and Jenny Nelson. This week I reviewed What Say You, hosted by Brian Quinn and Sal Volcano. Now, if you watch Impractical Jokers on True TV, these are two of those guys. And Brian is also part of the Tell em Steve Dave podcast over on the Smodcast Network. What Say You is just these two guys, Brian and Sal, talking about whatever comes into their heads. The latest episode has a story about a pair of women's pants that Sal received via UPS by accident and what he ended up doing about them. It's, well, not normal. I look at the label and sure enough, on the label is the the woman's uh, email address. So I say, all right, I could just email her. I'll say, hey. Hey, my name is uh, Sal. I have your pants. They came to my house by accident. And uh, just let me know what you want to do. They're here. You want to give me your phone number. You want to tell UPS to come get them. What have you. Right. So I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'll email her. I, go to, I, I open my uh, computer. I go to email her. And I say to myself, now, wait a minute. There's a chance here to have a little bit of fun. 
Right. There's a chance you had to have a little bit of fun. Life's short. You know, you're working for a living. It was uh, Saturday this weekend in New York. Sure. I was snowed in. Right. We had a shoot canceled. I was home. Mm-hmm. I was doing nothing. And I said, I'm going to have a little bit of fun. I'm going to write this lady a ransom letter <laughs> for her pants. You're a lunatic. I'm going to draft. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to draft a ransom note. Right. I'm trying to give. I'm trying to get joy, and in, at this point, I'm trying to give joy. I feel like this idea will bring joy. Sure. <laughs> she's she she never got a pants. Right. She's, right now, she's just out pants. Right. And that's the end of the story for her. Right. Well, now if the layer of the story is she gets a ransom letter for her pants. <laughs> I mean, that's better than just being out the pants and never knowing about it. Yeah. So I get a stack of magazines. I start cutting away. And you're sipping out letters, like like old school kidnap letters. I got about forty magazines that I I rent to throw out, and I just start snipping out letters for hours. Right. Right. For hours. (laughs) So now I get like computer paper and I start taping the letter together and taping it together and everything, and I finish the letter. I'm happy with the letter, okay? I just wrote it one take. I just wrote the letter. I said, this is it. And I just went with it and I wrote the letter. And then I said, well, it'd be really funny if I can – I'll accompany a picture mm. with the letter of her pants, right? right. To prove it. And I said – Proof well, of life. Yes, yes. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, wouldn't it be funny if I could somehow get into these pants – now, a size six on a woman, is that – This is a size six petite, which I don't even know what that means. But a size six on a woman isn't big anyway. Like you're bigger than a size six. Oh, like, I'm, pro- I think I'm I- probably a 14. I don't yeah. know. I think the average woman is like a five or a six, right? Like that's what they say. These were not big pants. Right. They were not big pants. Right. Uh, yeah. It's okay. a, a petite woman. A six, and this was a six petite. Okay. I said, is there a way for me to get these fucking pants on my body? And what would be the best way? So I take my – I was going to take my clothes off and I was going to try and shimmy into these things. Now, now, now let me stop myself there. I said, there's a good chance these things are going to burst open. The pants are going to burst open. I'm going to ruin the pants. Right. Now I'm already reaching out to tell them I have the pants. So this is a dick move on my part if I ruin the lady's pants. Sure. So I'm like, well – then again, she doesn't have pants right now. <laughs> Anything better than no pants is better. Right. So she finds out what happened to the pants in way of a ransom note and a man in them. Then at least she could be like, have this story to give. Right. And she's got to be a real Scrooge McDuck if, uh, if right. she – if she. <laughs> well, you know there. I go on to loft.com just to see if I can order – the same exact pair of pants. In your size? No, in her size. In her, oh, just so you, just so yes. you have it. Got it. Because I don't want to be a complete asshole. Well, that's really considerate of well, you. Well, thank you. They don't have them. Okay. Did it anyway. So don't even worry about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you they, squeeze they out a size clothes. four. So now on a Saturday, you're cross-dressing. You're snowed in and you're cross-dressing hours. in your house. Hours. For hours. Hours. You're cutting. All right. Just, it's a Saturday. Everybody's snowed in their house. You're cutting ransom notes and cross-dressing. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So I was and gonna... you don't think you should buy a PlayStation 4. 
or an Xbox. Or an Xbox I don't have the time. Okay. So, and that's how it starts. The story gets so funny that Brian ends up laughing so hard that he actually <laughs> ends up throwing up. Seriously. You can find What Say You, just like most of the shows that we clip her on Suckatash, on iTunes and Stitcher On Demand Radio. Their home site, by the way, is whatsayyou.com, and you can read my review up on splitsider.com right now. I've got a custom clip from a new podcast. They've only got about a half a dozen shows out there so far, and the hosts, Dr. Norman Trousers and River Zambezi, I don't think that's their real names, sat down and cut a clip especially for Succotash. At least I assume they were sitting as they did this. So here's a little something from the boys over at Casa Mirth. What are you doing? What? What are you going to... Got me clippers. Why? We're, we're recording and we're not giving out haircuts. Hang on, you said you'd be clipping. I said we'd be making a clip. Clip? Yeah, you know, like a, an advert. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, for Succotash. What? Succotash. Succotash wings. What? Suckotash. No, no, Succotash. Succotash. The comedy podcast podcast. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. For Mark Hershon. Oh. Mark, who? Mark Hershon. The comedy podcast podcast podcaster. Mark Hershon. Well, like Hershey Bars. No, that's Hershey Bar. I'm not sure I know who you're talking about. I showed you his photograph the other day. Look, he looks like that um, Jean Jardin bloke. I was Jean Jardin. No, I haven't got a clue. He was Jean Jardin. He was that famous bloke. He was in that um, the black and white death film. You know, the little dog, and they won the Oscar. The dog won an Oscar. Well, actually, I don't know if the dog won the Oscar, but um, the, the film won the Oscar at least, and and it was black and white, and there was a dog in it, and the French bloke, and it was well popular. Hmm. No, no, don't know. Hang on, look. Look on the laptop, look. Look at his picture. Uh, okay, I recognise him. Hmm. Where's he get the French bloke from, though? Well, look, if I, if I... Give me the pen. Okay. If I if I draw a pencil moustache on him. Uh, okay, yeah, I know what you mean, eh? If I draw a hat on him as well, yeah? Look, he looks like dastardly out of Wacky Races. Uh, that's maybe, but... Is that a permanent pen you've just used? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, great. Nice one. Cheers. <laughs> Yeah, so we're we're still here, uh, and um, I'm joined again. I'm Dr. Norman Trousers, by the way. If you hadn't already worked that one out, uh, and I'm joined again by my co-host and compatriot River Zambezi. Indeed. So, River, how are you? Hey, <laughs> same old. <laughs> <laughs> what you're the same and you're old. What is twerking? It's, it's when northern paper. people go and earn money. Obviously. Cyrus does it all the time. What the f*** is going on with her tongue? It's like, it's always out. Is she having a stroke? Virtually every single photograph that I see of that yeah. girl, she's winking and she's got a tongue out. So either she's just had an angry pirate or she's having some kind of seizure. <laughs> and Courtney motherfucker geezer a Danny Dyer confirms how long it takes for him to learn a single page of script if it's not at least 75% expletive. Two months. And now on Channel Mirth, we join broadcaster and journalist Desmond Twang as he joins us from a parallel universe and asks the questions we'd never hear in our own reality, revealing answers coming up from within the actor's head. What was Ron Howard like? You've been quoted in the past as saying all gingers should be burnt at the stake. Only the other day I got into trouble for forgetting that you're not allowed to masturbate in the frozen veg aisle at Tesco. Have you ever rimmed a badger? Haven't been sued yet. 
<laughs> which is good. Well, they uh, were aware of. They, that were aware of. Uh, for any of you that have listened to episode one of the Casamite podcast, there may be potentially some grey area around um, litigious material, but we're hoping for the best. Litigious material. Litigious. Litigious. Isn't that one of the Jackson sisters? Yeah. <laughs> I was out and about, and I saw the Incredible Hulk soliciting free prostitutes. Ho, ho, ho. Green giant. Who would you simple. put in the napalm pen, and who would you napalm when they're in it? This is Happy Apple One. Please proceed to grid coordinates. One, two, five, three, two, three, seven, four, three. Ping pong, go. Roger that, Happy Apple One. This is Bingo. It's Jim Jam. Orton's away. Put the cat on. Over. Hey there. This is Angel Barry White. And you're listening to the Castle Mirth Podcast. Brought to you by my new friends, Dr. Norman Trousers and Rivers Ambeze. is your casa over at Casa Mirth. Thanks, gents. Find them at casamirth.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. And Dr. Norman Trousers, by the way, responded to a tweet that I'd put out a couple of weeks ago and sent along some dandy Henderson's Pants logos. Well done, Doc Trow. I've got one up on the SuccotashShow.com website, so go take a look. Hi, this is Dana Carvey, and you're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. I got a letter and a promo for a new podcast from an old friend. I played a clip ages ago from a British show called Uncle Arthur's Bollocks from Nigel Boydell, who also did a show called CSI Troutbeck. Those shows had fallen off, and I didn't know what had happened until I got this email from Nigel. It seems he's had some health issues, and through some bone loss, he's had to have 16 teeth removed. Damn, that's half a smile, for God's sake. He writes that, until he can get a new plastic Hollywood smile, he's got a pronounced lisp. Oh, sorry, sorry to hear that. I always say there's nothing to keep someone from having a podcast, but I guess having a bunch of teeth out might just do it. But not so for Mr. Boydell. He has decided he's going to write a podcast, which he has done, and let other podcasters whom, as he puts it, love the sound of their own voices do the talking for him. And thus he's created the HMS Codcast, a series of continuing misadventures of a ship's crew on a voyage to discover the new world. Now, so far, he's got episodes voiced by the likes of the aforementioned Dr. Norman Trousers of the Cosm Earth Podcast, Matt Leroy of the Wicked Radio Network, Matt Brundage of the Another Damn Trivia Show, and also Jenny Soren's wife of podcaster Kat Soren's from the Strange Time Show. So here's a sampler that Nigel's put together of the HMS Codcast. We were setting sail from Plymouth on the southwest coast of Devon. It was a fine day to set sail, and all was well with the crew. Day one. Balthazar, the ship's cook, had decided to prepare a feast to take the crew's minds off the stultifying tedium of shipboard life and to celebrate the signing of the Magna Carta. The fact that we had been at sea less than 12 hours and that the Magna Carta had been issued on the 15th of June 1215 
and had therefore no significance, tenuous or otherwise to this, the 23rd of August in the year of our Lord, 1754. I had given the wheel over to Staines and told him to make 12 knots if he could. I returned to my cabin and was composing a witty little quiz to keep the chap's spirits up when the door opened. Staines? Cabin? The seaman crossed the floor and threw a pile of rope onto the table, spilling the ink and obliterating the answer to question four, how long is a piece of string? Staines? Cap'n? What's the meaning of depositing this pile of hemp on the table, man? I'm at a loss, actually. Knots, Cap'n. Knots, Staines? You told me to make twelve knots, Cap'n. There may be some duplication, I'm afraid, seeing as I only know two knots, half hitch and reef knot. So there's half a dozen of each. Hope that's okay, Cap'n. You are a fucking idiot of the First Order, Staines. What are you? A fucking idiot of the First Order, Captain. At last, the sailors of the other ship parted, and their captain came to the rail. He lifted one of those newfangled megaphones to his lips, and hailed us in a strong Gaelic accent. Monsieur, you are a codcast, oui? We are, I replied, and I am captain of this fine vessel. The crew of the French ship broke into spontaneous laughter, which was disconcerting, to say the least. Monsieur, your reputation precedes you, Captain, said the froggy. I say to my crew, crew, we must take a close look at these brave men. More laughter. Never before have you beheld a more incompetent bunch, I said to them, and never again in God's grace will you behold another. You, Captain, are uh, come on to the uh, laughing stock from the frozen north to the Spanish main. Your sovereign has sent you on a fool's errand as not to pollute any other craft. Day 12. I had crossed the Rubicon. I discovered Balthazar in my cabin this morning, a bottle of my favorite Pinot Grigio in each hand. I had grabbed the nettle and called for pots before my nerve could break. This was an act of theft, a crime that warranted the death penalty. Hanging from the yard arm, or some other arm, I can't remember. Pots burst through the door and I pointed at the cook. Clap this man in iron pots, I shouted in an aggressive a tone as I could muster. Take him below while I decide his fate. No man steals aboard my ship. I shall have made a decision on how you will be dealt with before the sun sets on this day, this Friday of our Lord. Thursday. This Thursday of our Lord. But, Captain, silence, Balthazar. You were caught red-handed and will therefore suffer the full force of the Navy's judicial code. My mind drifted back to the thoughts of old, but then a word broke through. A word repeated over and over. It took a while for me to realize the import of this word. Iceberg. Iceberg? Iceberg? Fucking iceberg? Can't be iceberg. But we're close to the equator. Iceberg? Shite. Right, you fucking idiot. I heard you the first time. Right, right, right? Yes, Captain, it's just... Yes, I know, right? Iceberg. That's right, Captain. Iceberg. Just one day without calamity. That's all I fucking want. Is it too much to ask? Just one day. Okay, men. Fall in. It appears Mr. Seaman Staines has once more seen fit to adopt his own peculiar style of navigation. Are the lifeboats prepared, Mr. Potts? Yes, Captain. Good. Bring me a rum.
Hop aboard the HMS Podcast at UncleArthur.Podbean.com, where future readers will include Davian Dent from the Strange Time and Bitter Sound Podcast. Davian's also going to be a guest co-host of this show, by the way. And uh, we've also got a clip from his show coming up a, a little bit later. Also, Megan M. from the Screams and Moans Podcast and the previously heard River Zambezi from Casa Mirth. Oh, and me. I told Nigel I would be happy to read a passage from the HMS Podcast as well. This is turning into an episode of clips from podcasts that support us on Twitter a lot. One of our frequent retweeters is the Salty Language Podcast with Brian, Tony, and Tate. Now, these guys and a gal talk about a lot of stuff, and recently they were on about the Beatles' big 50th anniversary on The Ed Sullivan Show. Tony's not with us this clip, in which our associate producer Tyson Sainer clipped for us, but you'll get the idea of the show's flow. Anyway, that song was... Happiness is the warm gun, and it was done by the breeders, but it's a Beatles song. That's a smooth transition. Yeah. More abrupt. Like, crash into the wall. It's fine. Crash into a bush awkwardly. <laughs> Ladies. Ladies. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. So, apparently, it's their 50th anniversary on the Ed Sullivan Show. What is that, today, or... I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's Something today. Like that, yeah. <clears throat> well, February 7th, so today for us. Right. Or... I remember no, watching no. it. February 9th. Oh. All right. So, so whatever. Now, yeah. But anyway, so that was for them, since they listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the breeders are the remaining Beatles. They're Beatles. <laughs> No, not Adam. Yeah, Paul, Paul McCartney and uh, Ringo get together and turn on the uh, the old Victrola and listen to the, our show. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I'm I, I enjoy making the I enjoy making the timely references. You know, the kids, yes. kids love their Victrola. very hip. Yeah, <laughs> Ed Sullivan and Victrolas. Kids love that stuff. <laughs> well. I'm sure if there are any kids listening, my sisters, let's say, they would not know what the Ed Sullivan show was. Not even in the context of the Beatles? No. Because that's about, I think that's probably about how, I mean, that's how I first knew of Ed Sullivan, so. Well, I mean, we were not alive. No. So. (laughs) Probably not. I don't know. But, it, I mean, it's kind of a big deal, because isn't it, like, what changed American music in... I mean, it's not an American band, but, right. like, how America viewed music and all that? Yeah. it. Cha- I mean, because that was, that was one of the first, you know, the Beatles and, like, when Elvis was on there and stuff, it was, like, those kind of performances were the ones where you first had the, you know, the crowd, like, screaming and going crazy over groups and stuff because before yeah. that it wasn't really you know everyone's like oh yeah good performance and then moved on so. yeah i saw the some interview or something with the girl that they show after they pan around and she's like chewing the gum and she's got oh, the yeah. short hair yeah. and she like puts her hair behind her ears it, like i've seen that clip so many times but they were interviewing that girl and she got tickets from like her grandfather or something that worked as a stagehand or something uh. her and her mom and they wanted to sit up top, and they're like, "Those are for the screamers." <laughs> I was like, they have a name. 
Makes sense, <laughs> like, though. Are they, is that porn? Like, what are we doing? What is this? <laughs> like, okay. That had to be so, a weird phenomenon to deal with the first time because, like I said, you know, that wasn't how people handled themselves in public for a, the most part. And then yeah. all of a sudden it was, and, you know, people fainting. Yeah. And <laughs> That's insane. I can't even imagine it was like being that worked up about, I guess, because we have the Internet. Yeah. And well, picture if you went stuff. to see, like, Einstein. You know, you'd probably be like that. <laughs> okay, I would. Or, like, if I met Stephen Hawking, I'd probably pass out. Right. Yeah, I, okay, I get it. I, I just, wouldn't, like, scream, though, because he'd probably, like, push reverse and drive away. <laughs> So don't lie. You'd scream, throw some panties at him, and then faint. <laughs> well, I wouldn't scream. Maybe the, <laughs> the Salty Language Gang is always happy to hear from their listeners via social media, and you can find all of their contact points at their home site up at saltylanguage.com. Another longtime supporter of Succotash is Davian Dent, who I've mentioned a couple times already this show, host of the Bitter Sound podcast, as well as co-host of the also aforementioned Strange Times podcast. The Bitter Sound is a truly strange and wonderful combination of odd ramblings, ambient music and sound, disturbing soundscapes, and visits from a variety of people. In fact, our own announcer, Bill Haywatt, is slated to be a future guest on the show. Now here's a clip from episode 19 about one man's visit to the local pissage parlor. So there I was. I was just walking down the road to the shops to buy some fucking Rizzler and Snout. When I see this new shop is just opened up by Tennessee fried chicken cunts. Mimsy Spam Pissage. What a strange name that is for a health spa, I thought. And what the fuck is a pissage? Anyways, I was feeling pretty fucking knackered and my clapsy was well stressed. So I thought, in for a penny, in for a pound. So I go in there and I walk up to the desk and the woman with a black eye asks me if I want the full treatment or just a minor going over. Feeling brave, I asked for the full treatment and I was led into another room. The woman tells me to remove my clothes and wear a gown and I look for a gown but can't find one to which the woman says, oh, I don't matter, as her bike was padlocked outside. I was led naked into a dark room. I could just make out a table in the middle of the room I thought to myself, here's where I'll get my massage. Hopefully I'll get a happy ending too. It's been a while. The woman asked me to lie down on the table front first. The table was a little cold and I was slightly annoyed it wouldn't warmed up for me. Are you comfortable, the woman said. Actually, no, I'm fucking not. I'm cold. I'm naked as the fucking day I was born. And when's this treatment going to fucking start? It was then I heard the footsteps. Well... I thought they were footsteps, but as it got closer, I could hear that they were horses' hooves. Tilt, I thought. Then I felt the breath on the back of my neck, going... What the fuck is a horse doing here? I started to scream. Unfortunately, I only got to the F. Then I was hitting the small of my back with a full pelt of horse piss. I don't know how long this went on for. As the heady mixture of the jet hose and the acrid smell of equine water resulted in me losing consciousness. I tried to get off the table, but everywhere I moved, the jet stream of horse piss pinned me down, much like a small child pissing on a gerbil. Later, I awoke, sitting curled up in the corner of a bright white room. My sensory function sprang to life, but instead of smelling horse piss, I smelt lavender and roses. I put my hands up to my head, and instead of feeling like damp straw, I rang my fingers through silky clean air. What the fuck, I said to myself. Suddenly the door opens 
and in walked Sting from popular 80s rock pop group The Place. Hello, said Sting. Uh, hello, I said. Sting then went on to explain that he'd recently discovered the art of pissage from the last time he fingered as in a zen. Traditional massage was apparently out. The only way to properly feel relaxed was to first be humiliated and then made to feel really uncomfortable. After the client passes out from the horse piss, Sting himself gently massages you and cleans you, all while singing the songs of the dead Kennedys at the same time. For once, I was left speechless. I picked up my things, thanks Sting, and made my way out. Sure enough, there was the bicycle, padlocked outside. Fucking hell. Oh dear, sounds like fun. As I mentioned earlier, Davey and Dent will be a guest co-host on Succotash very soon. We just have to find a date that works for both of us. But in the meantime, you can track him down at thebittersound.co.uk. Speaking of the UK, I got a recommendation from Andy McAfee, who tweets as at Andy McH to give a listen to Me One versus Me Two Snooker, which features British comedian Richard Herring in an ongoing series of snooker games against himself playing himself. Well, not playing with himself, playing against himself, really. Also serving as the commentators and the referees for the games. This is one of the oddest premises of a podcast I can remember for quite some time. So you know it's got to be good, and so it is. Um, so it's me one to break. I'll hand over to the commentary, commentary team, commentator one, commentator two. Up in the box. Hello, Richard. Yes, uh, we are not very well, but uh, we're going to uh, we're going to soldier on. Uh, I can see uh, referee one there at uh, doing his duties. He's just uh, removing a little bit of cat hair from the snooker board. Uh, going in the bin there. You may have heard that. And me one at the t- table. Uh, the board. Uh, there's quite a lot of um, furniture around that's not been particularly well cleared away. So there's a little coffee table right by me, one feet. Uh, it's a nice break. Oh, and unbelievably, I mean, he's hit nearly every ball on the table. Um, the pink and the blue are right down on the that line, that, you know, with a little semicircle on it. Uh, the brown and yellow down by the ball cushion. Uh, t- red's very close to the the pockets, but I don't know if me too will be able to get anything. Here, Me Too is at the table. He's seen a long red. Oh, he could have got that. He nearly got it. It's coming back. It's nearly gone into the centre pocket, but it hasn't. So Me One, it's still nil-nil. Me One has a clear shot at two of the balls right by the top pocket. He's potted one of them. Uh, but will he be able to get back for any of these colours? I don't think he will. The black is right up at the top. He's just going to touch the black. So it's one nil to Me One. Uh, can he get four ahead again? Let's be... Surely if he gets four ahead, me too, even if he has infinity years to play, he can never catch up. Me too, he knows what he has to do here today. That was not very good though, that was much too straight, he's going for the centre pocket. Me one. Again, nothing really on it, there's a chair in the way up here, it's very lackadaisical the way this has been done. Oh, nearly doubled that red back into the centre pocket, I don't know if he meant to do that. Um, and yeah, and uh, referee one slightly... Uh, ill and a bit tired uh, has forgotten who did that last shot he thinks it's me too's go i think he's right but uh, whatever he says of course is oh dear well it's not going very well me too a weak shot oh but that was lucky it went uh, i didn't i nearly didn't even see where that one went wasn't paying attention got a bit of a cold uh, we've all been off skiing last week together uh, and uh Somehow, Me Too potted a ball right down the bottom right-hand pocket there. 
you'll have to check your TV replays to find out what happened there. He's going for a long blue. My goodness, that was a sharp shot. That was a beautiful shot. Clean, crisp. Uh, as crisp as a Russian Olympic man smashing a gay person in the head in case that gay person had sex with a child. Yeah, that blue went down like the gay person would in Russia uh, because of their Philistine attitude uh, towards homosexuality. A uh, little bit of political satire there. I hope everyone got it. Um, and me too. He's on a, a red here. The yellow might just be slight in the way, but it's not. He's potted the yellow. He's well on the brown here. Uh, the only issue is whether he can get onto another red. Oh, he got onto another red, but he didn't pop the brown. The brown jumped out of the pocket like Eddie the Eagle Edwards trying at the Olympics, jumping down a long thing, like Marcus Brigstock jumping over a thing and hurting his leg, and the brown ball just bounced back out uh, of the pocket. Uh, so that's still a very decent break of uh, seven uh, for me too. He'll be pleased with that. Me one, and just now me one, realising how not very well and tired he is. Uh, I think we were all realising that at once and wishing, in a way, we hadn't started doing this tonight at this late at night. It's night 10 o'clock at night. Well, after listening to that, you clearly do not have to be a snooker fan or even know what snooker is to enjoy Richard Herring's thrilling games over at me one versus me two snooker.weebly.com. If that's too much to remember or write down, visit the succotashshow.com blog, and there's a link to that show in this episode's blog piece. And now a word from one of our fine sponsors. This portion of Succotash is brought to you by Henderson's, innovation in pantaloons and trousers since 1896. Almost 80 years ago, when Grandpa Al Henderson was struggling to raise a family during the Great Depression, he did what any unemployed family man would do, he shoplifted food. But he did it the right way and never got caught because he used his patented Henderson's kleptomatic trousers, made with pride in the USA with not four, not five, but 11 expandable pockets that drape and shape naturally while stylishly concealing fresh fruits and vegetables, eggs, even live poultry, and feed a family of five while never once alerting market vendors or law enforcement officials. Well, as they say, everything old is new again. And now, Henderson's is proud to offer Kleptomatic Plus, microchip equipped to neutralize barcode scanners, exit alarms, and other loss control detectors, so you can walk through any door with confidence. That's Henderson's Kleptomatic and Kleptomatic Plus trousers, helping you provide with confidence in every stride. And now, back to more of Succotash. All right, I'll be honest. So far, Henderson's is our only sponsor. Although we are an Amazon associate, which means if you use the Amazon banner at the top of our SuccotashShow.com webpage, you will not only be whisked directly to Amazon's site, but they kick us back a few doubloons from whatever you end up buying over there, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. By the way, if you work for Stamps.com, Audible.com, Sherry's Berries, The Man Great, Squarespace, Warby Parker, Nature Box, or hell, even AdamandEve.com, we would love to have you sponsor Succotash. Just email us at advertising at SuccotashShow.com, and our advertising general manager will be in touch with you shortly. I know this because it's me. Oh, look, 
Judging by this musty bag in the corner, it must be time for the Tweet Sack. Howdy, Tweety. Let's see if we've got any messages this week. Aha! From Acrobama, a.k.a. Darren Staley, he says, I'm back! Crow and Dave show. And then there's a link to Blog Talk Radio, where you can find the very first episode. Darren, you may remember, was the host of Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch, who we heard from a few times on this show. And then I read a Twitter exchange I had with him a few months back where he was hanging up his podcasting socks. But now, as you've heard, he's back. I knew it! The pod bug bites deep. We will check out the new Crow and Dave show and grab a clip for you to hear very soon. At Podcast Whore, whose handle we've heard on this show a number of times, Megan M. is a fan and frequent retweeter. She has started her own podcast called Screams and Moans. I tweeted she should send us a clip, to which she responded, I'll see what I can come up with. I'll try to pull a movie versus a sex clip. Then a winking emoticon, then would love to be on the show. Megan, consider it done, and whether it's a movie clip or a sex clip, we're just happy to have you with us. At uh, Dios Garces 814 tweeted at us, Muy buena canción. And then there's a link to a music video on YouTube from Aldri and a song in Spanish called La Lista. I don't know what that's about, but he mentioned Sagatash Show, so he gets mentioned. Or she. I have no idea who that is. At Paragon Podcast tweeted, You need to listen to the Ice Tea Final Level podcast. It's the funniest new podcast around. Now, I've been hearing about this show. We will check it out for our next epi. How about that? All right. Here's a list of the folks that were kind or crazy enough to mention Succotash Show on Twitter this past week or so by either tweeting, retweeting, favoriting, following, or somehow linking their names to ours. The Comedy Buffet, uh, um, Adam, Adam Adam and JP, Made in Vegas TV, Conrad Jack Show, Sexy Laura 27, Judge uh, John Dredge, Amish Baby Machine, Podcast Promos, Jay Patrick, The Kara, Mint Randy, Dave Surf, Loretta Lightning Bolt, Voice Republic, The Pod Mafia, Soundscriber, Jordan Maywood, Michael Butler Sr., Sammy J89, Captain Ward, Inverse Delirium, Solid Cat Dojo, Podhole Podcast, Slapshot Studio, the Bobby Oliver, Good Podcasts, That Guy Travis, CY Arizona, Luke and Athen, Luke Athens, HRH Tommy Royal, Dorktown Podcast, The Decline, James Adomian, Pelican Pierre, Smile5792, Colleen Zero, or Colleen O, Ronan Mocha, SM Alvarado, and Rudy Reber. And now I'd love to give a shout out to everyone who helped us out this past week by jumping up to SuckatashShow.com, clicking on the donate button, and giving us a general a generous donation to keep the show going. I'd like to do that, but since no one's donated for about, what is it, 10 months now? I will just go on with the show. Okay. This is Travis Clark. And Brandy. Clark from Tiny Odd Conversations. And you're listening to Suckatash. The pod... A comedy podcast podcast. (laughs) Let's get to my chat with comedian, announcer, voiceover artist, and all-around nice guy, Hal Lublin. This is a pretty much unedited interview, mostly because we were in the lobby of the Kabuki Hotel in Japantown in San Francisco, 
uh, which is where they housed most of the Sketchfest folks this year, and they were playing music over the PA. Now, if you don't edit, you wouldn't know that that makes it very hard to make undetectable cuts where you can't match the background music. So during our chat, we did have a few folks drop by. I left it in, including Thrilling Adventure Hour's Ben Blacker, Scott Lifton, a producer of the Mortified and Speechless shows, and Cole Stratton, one of the Sketchfest organizers. They all sort of just stopped by where we were chatting, and uh, you'll sort of hear most of them, although Ben was very quiet. Uh, Cole Stratton, by the way, was our special bonus interview at the end of last episode if you didn't stick around after the credits, so go back and grab that. Okay, see you on the other side with one last burst of durst, and here's Hal Lublin. So, Hal Lublin, back in San Francisco. Back again, fourth year in a row. Fourth year in a row at Sketchfest. Yes. Uh, uh, with the thrilling adventure hour. Yes. Uh, we just went on a little safari uh, to, to get some sweets. Yes. I'll call them. Yes, we were hunting the, the crunchy chocolate cake. <laughs> Along with other members of your cast, which yes. was uh, entertaining. Yes, they're a fun group to hang out with. It's yeah, just... now do you often get to hang out with them socially, or you usually just kind of see them when you're at the show or in rehearsal? Not as often as, as I'd like, and I think I think for the whole cast, we probably don't get to spend as much time with one another as, as we'd like. But I, I'll see Mark Gagliardi... Ben Acker, you know, we'll see each other once in a while. Uh, Mark Evan Jackson every now and then, but uh, it's not—it's not for lack of wanting to spend time together. Just everybody's schedules are crazy, so so yeah. the show becomes like a family reunion once a month. Okay, well that's good. Uh, it's nice to have you at the uh, the high energy part of your of your swing uh, because yes. last time you'd just done I think two shows and we're going to be getting out of town. Shortly after our interview. Yeah, I'd driven up, I think, on a, <laughs> yes. on a Saturday, on a Friday or Saturday, yes. and we did two shows, and then you're always up late, yeah. whether you want to be or not, and then I knew I had to drive back <laughs> the next day, and it was morning, and I was... Yes. So I, maybe it was not at my best, Well, but it I, worked. I, I think our listeners appreciated what you had to give. I, I appreciated giving it, the give and the take. <laughs> so in, in addition to uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour, you've, you now tell me that you're involved in the, the David Feldman show. Yes, yes. Uh, Janie Haddad Tompkins, who is uh -huh. the wife of Paul F. Tompkins and a, and a brilliant performer in her own right, sent me a text, excuse me, one day saying, hey, I, I work on this radio show for KPFK. Would you come fill in? We're, we're a person short. So I came in, and it was the David Feldman show. And David and I had met very briefly years before when I did a show called Big News okay. at Improv Olympic West. Um, but that was the first time we really sort of worked together. Okay. He liked what he heard and invited, just kept saying, you know, will, will you come back? Will, oh, will you come, maybe come back? Oh, excellent. So that was back in April oh, or that's May. that's great. That's great. Well, tell tell David hi. Uh, we've Will. certainly not not only featured him on on the show before, but um, as a, as clips. Uh, I've been dying to get him on as an interview, but we just haven't been able to pull it together. Yes. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Seems to have a pretty hectic schedule. Bless you. Yes, for a man who doesn't actually have a job. <laughs> well, that's L.A. That's L.A. The people without jobs are the busiest. Uh, I guess he does a lot of, of award show writing, so this time of year he must be pretty busy. I would imagine. Yes. Um. But what uh, what have you been up to um, besides these things? I know you've got uh, you still have your your day gig. Yes, still have the day gig. That's going well. Um, just a lot of auditioning and trying to figure out, you know, the, everybody creative, yourself included, with this podcast, and I'm 
sure several other things. Everybody's working on their own projects. Yes. Whether whether it's to sell a show or just to showcase your talents or just to get in the act of creating something. So I'm sort of in an, in a place right now where I'm trying to figure out what that is and and what what I can create that I think would be fulfilling and and be valuable to me and sort of help develop develop myself as a performer writer. Yeah, it's interesting as the as the media mediums have sort of spread out now. You you can there's sort of no restriction to at least getting your content onto something that can be either heard or watched or both. Um, The the pay scale for such things has also become very diminished. So it's like, well, what am I going to be putting my efforts towards? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It's the same amount of work, <laughs> yes. but not as much pay, or, or sometimes any pay. Yeah. And there's no guarantee that people, that a ton of people will see it, but at least we all have the same sort of opportunity to either make a podcast or create a web series or even just shoot shorts and sort of go to the world. This is what I think is interesting or funny or, or moving and put it out there and see who agrees. Yeah, and you can, I mean, you can take a shot at... at Getting some money together for it, you know, you can you can do a Kickstarter, uh, you know, you can do Indiegogo and see if you can get some money for your thing. Yeah, um, and I think you know they've been using this the same things to, we, well, we both have Pebble watches, for instance. Yes, uh, and and a lot of uh, manufacturers are using those things like Kickstarter to see if people are interested in their thing without having to not only put their own money in but put any of their money in, and they just see if people want it. Yeah, crowdfunding is really really interesting for that it, it allows you to either to either see if there's interest in something in general or if you've built up a following in something it gives your fans the chance to to like take ownership yeah I of, mean, of something like I, I helped make that I donated money and now a film's gonna get made or, or my friends Paul and Storm who who you featured on the show before, yeah. and who who were on the sweet side with us? Yes, they just raised over a hundred thousand dollars on a Kickstarter. Amazing, yeah. Um, I think yeah. You, you may know um, uh, Gabe Diani and Etta Divine. Yes, they just raised a hundred thousand dollars for their new movie as well. Yeah, uh, which is amazing. I yeah, mean, just amazing. Uh, but then you see these things like there was a guy who was um, he'd come up with these uh, these dice. Mm-hmm. Basically, for gaming purposes, you know, for Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, and they were sure. they were essentially six sided dice, but he calls them double six dice because they're twelve sided dice, but they have one they have two sets of each number of pips on there, so you you can only roll a one through six. Okay, but there's more rolling action I involved, see. and he wanted to make thirty five hundred dollars to produce the things. He made over a hundred grand. It, the the demand is is out there. That's the thing. Is like people, yeah. nobody's tapping into those communities in the right way. Because if you, if you work for Wizards of the Coast or some big mm-hmm. gaming company, you might not spend. You're spending more money developing your actual game and game mechanics than you are making new dice. Yeah, and, and they, you're not aware of maybe what the <laughs> need, like people want. People want that something want original, that. and yeah. you know who who would not think that they would come up with something that was an innovation in dice? <laughs> you know, <laughs> only like, on the internet. Aren't, aren't the six sides? Aren't the six versions? They already have enough. Come on. Yeah, it's not one of those things where people sit around and go, "We need new dice." Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, it's if you're aware of uh, of a problem, 
Yeah. Sometimes you have to put the problem in front of people for them to realize they want a solution. Well, you know, you know, Ford came out with the first SUV, and it wasn't based on any consumer research that said people wanted that kind of vehicle. It's just Ford said, well, there's the station wagon, there's a van. Is there something we can do that's in between that? Without really anybody saying this is what we're looking for. And, I mean, look at the SUV business today. It's amazing. So, you know, occasionally the big manufacturers will take stock of it. But I think it is this new entrepreneurial spirit that people that are kind of on our level of getting things done are going, hey, you know what? I could come up with a new kind of dice and I only need a couple grand to kind of make that happen. Let's see what happens. And then the thing goes crazy. Absolutely. And then it's, I mean, you... The, you brought up the pebble. You got your pebble through the Kickstarter. Yeah. I got mine. It was a gift, but it was bought at a store. Right. Because not only was it not only was it funded to some crazy amount. Ten million dollars. Then they're in it stores. Was nuts. Ten, and they only wanted like they only needed like two million dollars to yeah. gear up for it. I I backed something called the Three Doodler. <laughs> Do you, did you see that? I don't, I'm not familiar with the it's Three Doodler. A, it's a three D pen, so it takes the the spools of plastic that you would use in a three D printer. Oh, okay. And it runs them through, so you can draw. You know, and it creates a raised bit of plastic. Oh, wow. okay. But it, it simultaneously melts and then cools the plastic. Really? So you, you can dr- start drawing in a straight line on a tabletop and then start drawing vertically. No way. And they'll give you templates where you can make the four sides of the Eiffel Tower and then solder it together with more plastic. I mean, it's such, it's so smart. And it feels like something that might have, Yeah. we might have gotten there at some point anyway. But yeah, that is really funny yeah they had an idea they they created a proof of concept and i don't remember how much they raised but it was way more than than they needed i know when i got to them it wasn't i, I ordered a pen that wasn't the early bird it was okay. like the one right after yeah yeah i was like i'll, I'll get mine in november of 2013 it wound up being <laughs> like january of this year oh but you got it but i did get it and have you used it i haven't yet because i'm oh. waiting to we just moved recently okay so i'm waiting to be able to like spread out some paper and really like, <laughs> so you're very excited i'm very excited but i'm a, a terrible artist <laughs> So it'll just look like somebody made a pile of melted plastic. But you're on the cutting edge, man. I'm, I'm a, a pioneer of technology. That's that's the thing. Nobody for early, else. For early adopters, I mean, these crowdfunding things are just like, this is the best. Yeah. You know, because you, you are. I, I back stuff and you get it and you go, oh, man, this is kind of crap. You know? <laughs> what was what was the worst um, for you? Anything. The most disappointing, maybe. Well, actually, the holder that I'm using for this, re- the recorder I'm using, uh-huh. actually has a frame part of it, and it was it was an Indiegogo campaign. Okay. And it was to hold your iPhone to shoot pictures with, and it was a it's like a tabletop tripod, but you can also unscrew this and it, at this part, and you can put on a regular tripod stand so you can put your iPhone on it. But it was so yeah. weird looking, the frame for the phone, and it was kind of like just it was just sort of like ah, this doesn't look nice and but the handle part's been great yeah <laughs> so, I, li- I like that I've, I've actually been admiring it yeah oh, that's a neat little yeah, tripod yeah the legs fold up into the handle uh-huh uh, so you can put the whole thing in your pocket um, so that for me that that turned out to be worthwhile yeah and you had a whole rig last time it was like mics and, yeah, yeah. and a little you had like a little mixer yeah maybe. Uh, yeah yeah but I and I still have that stuff and I can carry it around but this zoom mic works fine yeah and I told you I'm waiting for this new um, uh, high-def mic that uh, yes. the 1k multimedia people have coming out so that'll be my new equipment but uh, awesome but this is like it's such a great rig and it fits in your pocket yeah that's yeah that's the best. I like things smaller. I like the idea we are in the future. 
at some point right yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I mean, all the things you saw in sci-fi films, a lot of it exists now. The only thing we can't get are those damn jetpacks. The only thing they deny us. Well, we need to check Kickstarter. I'm sure somebody just launched one. You know what? The problem is, I've always thought that the problem with jetpacks and flying cars is if you look around, how many people run out of gas every day and they're like off to the side of the road? You go, we're not a society that's built for this technology. No. Just I could just see you're walking down the street and you've got this ever-widening shadow coming down from above you. And it's some guy that's run out of, you know, energy cells or something. Or exactly. It'll look like uh, that M. Night Shyamalan movie yes. where all the birds start dropping yeah, from the sky. Exactly. So, um, you've got a Kickstarter campaign. What are you going to, what, what do you want people to fund to bring to, bring to life? If you had your choice. You, I'm giving you no I just completely if, spring this on you. Now, are we talking about technology? It could be anything you want. Anything I want. Anything you Jeez. want. I would love to create, you know, we talked about having a project that you sort of, uh, that you believe in, something that you're creating for yourself. I would love to have created something like an animated series okay. that I could get funded and get distributed. That would be that would be it. That would be the selfish thing. And then and then for technology. Jeez. <laughs> I really like the pebble. Yeah. But the, here's the problem. The first time that it rang and I had a call on it, I pressed the answer button. I know I'm really. Ben Blacker everybody, creator. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thanks for stopping by. Out. Special guest. <laughs> so, so the first time I got a call on it, I, I pressed the answer button and then started trying to talk into it, like Dick Tracy. <laughs> I felt like an asshole. <laughs> I would love to feel a little less like an asshole. That's funny. That's and, funny. and be able to talk into my pebble. That seems like a low reach. <laughs> That'll be coming up next. Yeah, I, you know, I love having the pebble for the early adopter status. I'm not really happy with the way the e-paper works on mine. It's sort of sketchy. The stuff will kind of wig out once in a while, and I can't read any of the characters or anything really? like that. Yeah. That, I've not had that yet. Well, you might I, not get it. You've got a later, slightly later version. Oh, you got, did you get, were you in on, like, ground floor oh, yeah. first, like, I got the first, the first one? Yeah. Wow. So that's probably why. But, uh, but now, you know, the Pebble App Store is about to kick off. I'm excited about that. I, I thought at the time, like, oh, I'm going to get, like, calorie burning or, yeah. because it has an accelerometer in it. That's that's poor speed. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see what, and it's open source, isn't it? The, it is. I, I I downloaded one a couple of weeks ago. That's um, a photo app that allows you to co uh, control your iPhone uh, camera from here, and you see this kind of grainy, eight bit image of what the camera sees. How did and you then, get that? Uh, it was just through the their their the app store. If you go to the, the if you go to uh, the is it on the? It might be actually be on the App Store, on, okay. on Apple. But it's a separate app you have to download, and then it talks to your. Yeah, it goes okay. on your phone, and it also, and then it also goes into the watch. Okay, because I have the I have the, the, the Pebble app, and yeah. that's supposed to be where their App Store is going to sit. Um, yes. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. Um, yeah, but I, I remember I had to download the the part for the phone off of the iPhone or the the Max the. Apple yeah. store, um, but anyway, so you, and then you have the uh, shutter release on your on your watch, I love so that. you can kind of like set your camera, your phone up, and then you can look through here. And That's I mean, it's virtually brilliant. useless, but no, it's, it's smart because you can set your phone. You know, it's it it revolutionizes the selfie. You don't have to hold. That's it right. At an That's angle. exactly right. Yeah, um, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's. Uh, 
just a world of possibilities. Yeah. And we're paying for all of it. That's right. We're going on and wandering. I don't know if it's, this is the same for, for you, but I, I can get lost. You could wind up funding 10 things. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I've had to really kind of rein myself in because you really can kind of go crazy. Yeah. And I, it's sort of, for me, it's sort of um, paying for some of these, like like the stuff that Gabe and Etta do because they're friends of mine. Sure. I kind of ask them about process and whatnot because in the back of my mind there is that project. I'm going to get that on Kickstarter. That'll be cool. Yeah. You know, but I don't want to screw it up. Uh, I think there's a website that of Kickstarter campaigns that have made, like, no money, oh, and there's like hundreds of them. I, I would imagine everybody who starts a Kickstarter campaign has at least a moment, even if they're confident they're going to raise a certain amount of money. And I, I think people, people are the people who are successful even beyond their initial ask, are smart enough to 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 make their the base amount of money they're looking for something reasonable, something they know is gettable. But you've got to have a moment where you think there's no way nobody will get yeah. anything. Or what you know? It's what if I threw a party and nobody showed? Yeah. Well, plus be, because the novelty of it is has worn off. There's a lot more resistance to getting press coverage and things like that for your campaign. Sure. Um, that's one of the things that Gabe and Etta found out. You know, because they, I think their last campaign was like thirty-five thousand dollars, maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And so this one was for a hundred grand, and they had all the machinery in place for what they'd done before because they were really successful. They went way over what they wanted to get. And uh, they just, about halfway through there, I was talking to them, I said, we did not anticipate how, you know, much it's fallen off the radar of editors and things like that. Yeah. Uh, Unless it's something incredibly novel, I guess, they're just not interested in simply promoting the fact you're using crowdfunding. Right, because it's such a saturated market, even though there's great stuff. Yeah, I've been backing, I try to go back friend stuff. I back the the double clicks are running a Kickstarter right now. And they raised their, their, the initial amount of money they were looking for, they raised in four hours. And now they're sort of surging past it. Oh, okay. Paul Storm, I gave to them. Um, uh, do you know what Len the, Peralta? Um, no. He's an artist, really talented artist. And he does these geek trading cards. Okay. Called Geek a Week. So he's, he's kickstarting his current, the, the, a new set, set number four, I guess. Okay. And that's it. I guess it's at sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars. They're asking for thirty-eight, and there's about two weeks to go. Okay. So it's in that crunch period, and I get to be in the deck if it's made. So if really? this goes out before then, okay. Look for Geek a Week for uh, Geek a Week. Uh, I think it's four point Is the name of the. Well, that's project. fun. Yeah, that's great. So it's, I had an idea of doing a ostensibly a movie, a web series would be easier to pull off, where the the backers above a certain level actually get to help determine elements of the show wow they get to pick you know a character name or a plot device or some I, you know i haven't really structured it yet but the idea that you know you act you're not just giving money you're actively helping to contribute to the, the storyline as a whole i just think that would capture people's imagination you know i agree but i, I also think there's a danger in in crowdsourcing in crowdsourcing creativity not that it would be like a whole, you're going to plot out, you're going to break all the stories and, and write parts of the movie, but the, the I think it was in maybe in Austin, they, they crowdsourced, they said, we, we want to rename our sanitation department. We want to, we want to rebrand it and rename it. And so they, they crowdsourced names, and the, the people picked something that was like, fart bungle nutsack. 
Well, you can't let people pick the name. Yes. You can. The, the idea, I guess, that I've got is they can control. Because if it's the name of a character, it's like they don't have any control over what that character does. Sure. Right. So you just kind of give them the elements that they can. You know, if they actually watch the thing, go, "Hey, I came up with that guy's name. I did that. I did this." Yeah. It's like doing improv. You don't get a suggestion for <laughs> you. Have, you have to be careful what your suggestions That's are, right. and you know. You know, when you're getting, a, I need a genre of film like porn, so that you, if you take that away from them, yes, they can't do it. Yes, we yeah. need a profession like proctologist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, um, so you're not doing, a, you're not really wandering a lot around uh, Sketchfest. Not this year. year no, I, I, you know, I may go to a, a, a show or two, but I just. I've just been so busy with other stuff, I've, I kind of don't really even know what's happening at Sketchfest this year. Um, and it seems more packed than, than ever, you know. I told you I'm involved with this, this um, one show, the Speechless show that's going up. Yeah. And he, when we found out we got in, I went looking for it in the roster, and it's buried so far down in the morass that you kind of go, well, I hope somebody sees us down there. Yeah, it must just. I mean, the city must sort of transform. If you're if you're someone that that is either part of the comedy scene here, or you do an improv show, or stand up, it must be, become like a zoo. Because on the one hand, it's great because oh yeah, there's a lot of focus and attention given to comedy, but at the same time, it's like it's just a zoo. And it's and it's yeah, it's a lot of shows, a lot of a lot of rooms. I mean, it's great for both comedy and for the city. I think. Um, I mean, it's become such a staple. Uh, that I think people would would be surprised and horrified if they found out that it wasn't happening. Yeah. And speaking of speechless, here's one of the producers now, Scott Lifton. Hey. This is Hal Lublin. He's, he's with hey, the with the thrilling adventure hour. How are you? Fantastic. Good to see you. I'm interviewing him for my for my podcast. I'm very sorry. That's Scott Lifton. Who hopefully, you know what? I should do a podcast with you guys before we go up at this at the. A show on the fourth. That's a great idea. Yeah, we'll tell the show. Yeah, sit down with all three of you guys. Yeah. Right. What are you doing here? Uh, I'm just gonna pick up the badges for uh, the Mortified Performers. First right. time I came to town early. All right. Yeah, just saw Dave Foley and uh, Kevin McDonald last night. Okay, excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Where is the lamb? Is Needlebird's not here? Is he? He's coming up. Yeah. For the show. I love that guy. He's, he's the, the greatest. The, <laughs> uh, the lounge for check. I don't know. It's a, the lounge downstairs. It's downstairs and to the left. Good to see you. Enjoy. You can speak out loud. It's a, it's a podcast, <laughs> Scott. Jesus. It's like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch it. It'll shock you. Ow. <laughs> and there's that factor, the serendipity factor of just running into people that, I mean, I see that guy, you know, we do the show once a month. Yeah. And uh, although I've sort of stepped away from my production role, I still, like last time I was doing some tech stuff and I've been a judge for the show and things like that. So yeah. uh, there is a lot of... Um, I don't know, uh, synchronicity, I guess, in terms of who gets involved with this show and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's weird. Uh, I was talking to Mark Evan Jackson outside, who I ran into. He was on his way out, and he was saying it's like being at a party, that, but you're supposed to be there, and you know all the people in the room, and it's not crazy shoulder to shoulder getting bumped and, and yeah. oh, that's difficult to maneuver. It's a really... Th this... This festival, in, in particular, is, is a real pleasure to be a part of, and it gets better every year. Yeah, you know, the fact that it's run by three performers, I think, 
you know, at, at their core essence. I don't know that Dave Owen performs all that much, yeah. but um, certainly Cole and Janet do. Yeah. Um, and I think having that sensibility running the thing really lends itself to, I'm going to be at a hotel room that, that's probably going to be comfortable. Yes. You know, and I'm going to have, you know, a nice place to kind of hang with people and things will be reasonable. It's not going to be some crazy thing where it's a promoter who just says, well, let's just put four people in a hotel room. What does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. We're, it's, we get treated so well. And it's, everybody seems, everybody seems to be really happy to be a part of it from everybody who's taking the time to volunteer and they're doing like coming to pick people up, making runs back and forth to the airport. Like. Those people are heroes. Wow! But he, but even all the people who are coming as guests always seem so happy and appreciative to be yeah. a part of it. And it's, I I would imagine for some people, at a certain point you reach a level of, of I don't know if it's fame or just you're so busy doing all of these that you can get sort of worn out. But yeah. But this this festival in particular. Everybody just seems like thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah, San Francisco. Once something's caught on here, I think the the people who live here tend to embrace these sort of things that really aren't happening in other places. I know there are other sketch fests and whatnot, but um, the quality of the shows and the quality of the performers that come here, I think uh, San Francisco really kind of feels a sense of pride to have this as part of you know uh, the slate of things that happen yeah. in entertainment up here. Well, the San Francisco is such a cool city that it's it would be hard to have this kind of festival anywhere else. Hmm. Like I, I don't think, to my knowledge, Los Angeles has anything close to this. They have an improv festival, but it all takes place at one theater. This is like the entire city coming together, and you know the three of them and, and everybody they work with coordinating all these incredible people coming, and they do reunion shows and yeah. And, you know, one year's Wet Hot American Summer. This year, they've got the cast of Futurama doing a farewell. It's incredible. I mean, it's really well thought out in terms of. I mean, and I don't know the whole process of how they put these things together, but I, can, I have to imagine the Futurama thing. They must have thought of let's do. You know, Futurama's going off the air. Let's do this special show and see if we can pull enough people together to actually make it happen. And they do. Yeah, actually, uh, I actually flew here with John DiMaggio. We oh, were on the plane together, which was which was really nice. He's such a great guy and a, and a good friend. And then we're we're coming here to the hotel, and we're getting ready to check in. And, and Billy West is there checking out. So <laughs> we went to lunch, uh, the three of us and Janie actually. Oh, okay. Went and had lunch, and Billy was like, "They're both so happy to be a part of that." And and the other people I met Maurice very briefly, and I I know Phil a little bit. They all just seem like thrilled to have been a part of that. And, yeah. And. To have somebody appreciate and want to yeah, yeah. either send them off or talk about it, they're just like happy to do it. That's great. That's great. Um, so, who are the? Uh, although this podcast is going to drop long after you guys are back in Los Angeles. Sure. What uh, what guest performers do you guys have on the docket for the shows tonight? Uh, well, we have uh, Jason Ritter, okay, and Melanie Linsky, both of whom have done the show before. Yeah, are incredible. Um, Dave Foley. Is back with us again. Great. Uh, Kevin Murphy, uh, Paul and Storm, uh, Sean and Sarah Watkins. Uh, probably the biggest. I know I'm leaving people out, but I know <laughs> that probably the biggest name um, is Karen Gillan from Doctor Who. Sure, sure, right. And she, this is her second time doing the show with us. She did it once back in 
uh, fall or maybe early 2013, and I had not seen a lot of Doctor Who at that huh. time, so I didn't know. I didn't know who she was. She was at a rehearsal with Kickstarter backers, and I thought she was a Kickstarter backer oh, first. Funny. And, ja and the funny thing is that is that J uh, Mark Evan Jackson has said the same thing. He tells the story way better than I do, but we but separately we each had the same thought. Was, oh. It's really nice. I can't believe this person came from Scotland to wow. come to a rehearsal. But she's she's also great, and I'm I, I'm gonna have to restrain myself from asking a bunch of questions about Guardians of the Galaxy. Because ah, yes, because she's in there, right? Yes. <coughs> Interesting. Good. Yeah. Um, who are some of your uh, kind of favorite performers you guys have worked with before that kind of come in and out? Everybody who does the show is, is great. Let's start there. All right. Let's be diplomatic sure, first. Sure, put the blanket and down. It, and it's true. Let's lay the blanket down that they're, everybody who comes in is great and brings something really special. Um, and there are different... So there are different categories to this. For people who come in and sort of nail it right away, um, Colin Hanks is like that. Jason, Melanie also... But Zach Levi in particular oh, okay. is one of those guys where it's like, oh, if he wasn't super famous, he would be in the show. Yeah. As much as he, as as much as we could get him, um, he's he's awesome. <clears throat> Probably the biggest for me was Weird Al. Billy actually did our show when we were, when we were back at Embar, and that was a huge. Okay. I couldn't, it was hard for me to talk to him because I I've been a fan of his since '86. Okay to the point where I would pick his voice out and, and oh, really? hear all the things that he did and just thought, wouldn't it be great if I could if I could have a career like that wow. and do that? Um, so he's great. And then Weird Al was the other. Okay. I still have trouble talking to Weird Al because it's, on the one hand, he's a human being, and we could easily have a conversation sure. about a number of topics. But on the, on the other hand, he's Weird Al. He's Weird Al. And I just, like... There's another person who I've been a huge fan of since I was very young and continues to put out great work. And, and he just, he seems like a genuinely nice guy. I mean, I was watching him on a, he was on an episode of At Midnight that mm -hmm. I watched last night. Yes. And he just seems like he just, he's one of those people he's, that you go, that guy really enjoys his life. Yes. It's so, so nice and so pleasant and, and kind and... I mean, he. Th there's no excuse to to be a bad person. Right. There's no level of fame that makes it okay to not be nice. But I think I think people expect that may maybe a sense of entitlement out of somebody who's really famous. Yeah. I, I haven't encountered it yet, which is which is great. But of all people, I would think he would. Uh, you know. I don't know if it's have an ego. Yeah. But I think for people who are insecure, if somebody's just confident in what they do, it seems like, oh, what an egomaniac. But he's just, I don't know, just a really pleasant, nice guy. Yeah. And that's really that's really great to see. That's one of the cool things about having done this show for almost nine years is meeting all of these people and all of them just being gracious and really nice and very, very humble but but at the same time very confident in what they do and it's and it's it's a refreshing thing to see that's great um, what's going on in in LA as far as kind of traditional show business 
these days, uh, sort of in light of how much is being done on the internet now and that sort of thing. Do you sense any sort of change in patterns of you know auditions that you do? I mean, I know you're basically doing voiceover stuff, so maybe it's not as effective as much as you know. I hear so many horror stories from some actor friends of mine that you know they, they get paid a hundred dollars to do some web thing, and it's just you know not not very rewarding. It's that's the case with voiceover too. They're mm. they're things that are only going to be on a website or are for a web ad mm. that, that pay differently. Um, but, I mean, th there's a certain amount of opportunity that you have, like we talked about before, and being able to create your content and put it out there without anybody having to say yes or no. Um, so that can create attention. And, I mean, look at Felicia Day, what she did with the Guild. She right. made however many episodes to start got her fans to fund the rest, and just built a following without anybody's help, really. Yeah. Until she could, you know, when she finally made a deal to distribute it, it was on her terms. Right, right. And she's created an industry. I mean, and, and in, his, in his own way, uh, Chris Hardwick has done that as well. Oh, He's yeah. created this kind of empire of people who are <laughs> yeah. allowed to do their own, do their own thing. But at a, I think at a certain point, you're... You're still, I mean, Felicia's still out auditioning for stuff. Yeah. You know, Chris is still working elsewhere. And, and what that ultimately does, in addition to giving you something that you have creative control over, is it gives you, it gives you sort of a platform and a showcase that you can use to get other work. So it's, it's created an opportunity. At the same time, it's still very saturated. Everybody yeah. wants to, to either start a podcast or a web series or... Yeah. Or any kind of, or a Twitter. You know, everybody wants to be the next Rob Delaney right. on Twitter, and they're trying to put their jokes out there. And there are a ton of great comedians on Twitter. But look what he did there. That that yeah. there's a platform that didn't exist. You know, what seven eight years ago? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's something I'm I'm using it with a couple of different accounts to generate material that I want to do for self-published books. Uh, and it's all going to be just, you know, basically cobbled together from these tweets I've been putting out for uh, a couple of years, really, on, you know, accounts that my name has nothing to do with them, really. Sure. Uh, they're just, you know, it's, it's, an ano it's kind of anonymous as far as, um, you know, whose it is. Um, but I just figure it's a great way to, you know, sort of test drive content and see what happens. Yeah. It's, it's interesting as you, as you sort of build up a following that you get a you get an idea of what people are what people respond to but also if you get if you get the right person to respond to it all of a sudden your audience reach That's expands right. you know immensely like I, I remember watching one, one night my wife and I get home from dinner and we're both kind of tired and Jennifer is leafing through the DVR and she sees Sharknado which I had recorded and she went ugh you watch this? And I said no. <laughs> She'd been reading about it, so we started watching it, and she just started commenting on it out loud, <laughs> just like not not performing. It was just whatever she was thinking. She said, so I started going, "Can I? Do you mind if I tweet that?" Oh, funny. So we started the hashtag "Wife Watches Sharknado," <laughs> and Paul F. Tompkins picked it up, and Mark Evan Jackson as well said, "You should check these out. They're hilarious." Oh, that's great. And. and you know, it wasn't like millions of people responding to it, but everything sort of got amplified, and people were 
people really enjoyed it, and it's, that's I think that was to a certain extent lightning in a bottle, but it also kind of proves that you can take any idea and put it out there, and yeah, you never know what the thing is that's gonna no exactly sort of catch wind. Uh, yeah, you know, I I did an episode of this uh, this. I'm going to say a web series. So far, there's been four episodes. I was in the fourth one that uh, Dana Carvey is putting together with his son. Yeah. Uh, called The Funster. And it's just goofy. I mean, it's it's not really scripted. And it's just... And uh, it's beginning to sort of take form the more episodes that get made. Yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of fun to do. There's been kind of a long gap between the one I did and the next episode because he's been traveling and blah, blah, blah. But sure. it's amazing because... Uh, his, you know, the, he puts out on his social media this chapters out there. All of a sudden, I have all these new followers because he mentions <laughs> me in there, and so it's like, well, if Dana Carvey's going to mention the guy, I'm going to follow him. Yeah, right. So yeah, people. Like, I mean, the, the the following that some celebrities have, it's crazy. Yeah, Molly Quinn is like that. I don't know if you've ever met mm. Molly before. She's on Castle and does a ton of voiceover work. She's oh yeah, yeah, incredible person. So sweet. And she has a huge following on Twitter, and she's very engaged with them. So she and I will have a conversation, and we'll be joking around. That's something that she says, or if she puts a picture up, it gets, like, a ton. Like, people start responding to both. Wow. Like I'm included. It, yes. Like, somebody's just looking right past me, like, oh, Molly, you're so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you please follow me back, or please retweet? Yes. Um, That's funny. Which I always go, oh, thank you, I am very beautiful. And I yes, I will it. retweet you. I yes. will retweet you. <laughs> but it's it's cool. We've never, I didn't have access to people that I admired. Yeah. And you didn't. And no, that's exactly it. You know, you're able to, literally, you know, most of the interviews I get for this show are all sort of, you know, tweet-born. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that was where we right. connected initially. Yeah, so it's it's become phenomenally. And the fact that, you know, Twitter still doesn't, you know, there's no charge for any of this stuff is yeah. just amazing. There must be people like J.P. Morgan ro- rolling over in their graves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where's my money? we got to monetize this. Come on. I should be rich by now. <laughs> but it's, I mean, you know, everybody, it's not... It's not a new conversation about how great a platform it is, but it, yeah. But as more and more people use it, it becomes more and more commonplace. It's just, it can be a lot of fun. Like I love, I, I have in my bio the most accessible work juice player, which <laughs> is true. I love when people engage me. I love engaging people yeah. and talking about the show. And you know, if I if I, I've, I've done it before. Where I'll go to a town and be like, "Are there any fans here? We could all get together." Oh, really? Yeah, because why not? And do people show up? One time they did. <laughs> I don't think I've one, been anywhere one else guy long anyway, enough. Just... This one guy, he robbed me. It was really tough. But really but, enjoyed the show. Yeah, he loved the show. He was telling me how much he enjoyed it as he punched me in the face. And I got a new wallet out of it, which is the real moral of the story. It's not really much of a moral. It's just a thing that happened. <laughs> Call it a moral. It's moral. I don't know what words are. <laughs> I just read things that are written on a page. Um, what uh, what else is going on in terms of uh, the the podcast world for you? Is there anything else you're involved with, or just is it just the thrilling adventure and uh, and the Feldman show, which is certainly plenty as far as podcasts go? Um, well, I've done a couple here and there of other, you know. Been here with you. I've been on Hobcast a couple times. I'm going to do that again. I've done 
a bit of a chat with Ken Plume. Have you ever listened to that? Uh, you know what? I haven't, although it's uh, it's been brought to my attention by somebody else recently on Twitter, so I'll have to, uh, have to clip that. Yeah, Ken's become a good friend, and it's a really great... What I like about it is that it's more... It's, uh, it's a lot like like this and that it's just two people having a conversation so he gets these phenomenal guests and it's you know the second he, he'll call you on Skype and the second that you're connected and that hits it is on okay. whatever you say will make it in he's not going to edit it oh, really? when it's over he'll just go bye and then hang up Really? it'll be up the next day wow okay so so I'm doing my third one of those soon my, uh, my goal is to catch up to guys like John Hodgman who have done oh, okay. like seven or eight okay it become. Yeah. Uh, I envy that style of podcasting because this uh, clipping stuff it takes a long time to put yes. these things together. But uh, yeah, there's a certain freedom in just being able to go. Hey, I'm done. It's going up right now. So I'm, I'm totally. literally uploading it from my phone. Yes, uh, and I can say this now because it's not going to. I don't know that it's a secret, but it's by the time this is out, I'll have done it. Is tomorrow I'm going to do. Uh, welcome to Night Vale in San Diego. Uh, welcome to Night Vale. That's great. So yeah. you're doing their live show. Yes, we actually, uh, a couple of us, me and Mark Evan Jackson and Annie Savage and Mark Egliardi all did their show in Brooklyn in the fall. Okay. And it was, I mean, this is, this is, I've never had a fan experience like fans of, of that show. They are, I mean... I mean, it's not ra- rabid sounds like an insult. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not. They they hung on to every single thing that was happening. They were gasping and reacting, and and I, I had, I think maybe two or three lines in the, in the whole thing, but one of them was a was a that is a well known character, and I come out introduce myself as the character. We did two shows. First first show, the place erupts, and I I was not expecting that level yeah. of reaction and then it happened again same it was it was like <laughs> I felt like it, when Tom Hanks makes a, a cameo on SNL yes. and the crowd loses their minds and it's not for me I recognize it's not for me it's for the character it's the fact that this character they, they brought this character to life yeah but they're they're really cool fans and, and then afterwards we're, we're taking pictures on the stage and the stage door was open so this opened out to the street mm-hmm. on the side, and you could see all of the fans, and they were perched and kind of like really? waiting to see. And they, you know, they wanted to see Cecil and Jeffrey and Joseph, yeah, um, understandably. But I turned to Mark Evan Jackson. I said, "I'm going to go out there and pretend like they're there for me, <laughs> and go out and greet them." So I went out. And I went, "Hey, everybody!" And they erupted. Really. Because cool? somebody who was just in the show yes. had come out to talk to them, and then everybody came out, and it was like passing things forward to be signed, and everybody wanted to take pictures, and <laughs> it was it was incredible. And we have we have fans who do that as well. Our fan base, I think, is starting to organize. Mm. That's the thing about Night Vale is, that is through Tumblr and message boards. They they grew and became very organized very fast. Yeah, and they've got no. The thing is, they've got no sponsorship. Yeah, I mean, they turn down sponsor offers. Literally, they're not looking for sponsors. Um, what do you think is responsible for their? I mean, they're talking about rapid success. You know, I mean, they. I think they came out in 2012 was the first episode. Yeah, and it's huge, just huge. Yeah, I, I'm, jeez, I think that, I think a certain fandom of a of another show first caught on to them, and there was a large fan base there, so they all sort of caught on to it. 
uh, together. So they like instantly they had a they had a huge fan base. Um, but then Tumblr really Cole helped Stratton. Grow. Cole Stratton. <laughs> but um, we're actually doing a combined show with them in Seattle. Oh, cool! For Emerald City Comic Con, a huge combined show at the Moore. So. Cole Stratton has joined the podcast. Cole Stratton's here again. <laughs> You can speak out loud. It's all right. We're just recording. I don't know how it works. <laughs> Voices in our capture. That's right. You do it. Is it like your soul. This is taking pop my culture and the yeah. sketch fest. You'll soon be dead now. Sorry. Oh, shoot. What's going on? Not much. Just got back from one event. How's it all going so far? It's going rather well. Excellent. I'm sorry I missed the, the opening. Oh, I was had it a, actually tickets to it. Yeah. How'd it go? It it's was great. it was awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. If ever there's like a group of people that love a show in one room, it's, I mean, <laughs> they love that show. Oh yeah, they must and they have ask freaked. good questions, which is like different than a lot of panels. That's cool. Get the same four things over and over. Have people go and do the voice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, is Bender here? Can Bender? Can you get Bender ordering a milkshake? <laughs> But I had to, I had tickets for uh, a friend's play that I'd already gotten in advance, so I had to miss your opening. How nice. how was how was it? Was it? Great. It's great. Yeah. Good opening. Yeah. You had two very full shows. That's great. Yeah. I think this ride. thing's gonna catch on. We were just talking. We think this this Sketchfest thing's gonna catch on one of these yeah. days. And you'll start like getting some famous people. Year, yeah. Maybe. I think so. People start to get a clue what's going on. Yeah. 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 Eventually. Well, get, people I mean, start coming out. True. Don't worry. We're hoping. So I'm hoping to get you in front of the uh, the recorder before you get out of town again. So uh, let's keep in touch. And For sure. Sounds good. I'll let you guys go back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Already in progress. Already in progress. Right. <laughs> See you, Cole. See you. See you. So we're doing a combined show with, with Welcome to Night Vale. Which sounds great. Big crossover show. Um, and it'll be in uh, during... Emerald City Comic Con, but actually outside of it, so you don't need to be a pass holder to get tickets. Oh, wow, okay. And if you go to, I believe, thrillingadventurehour.com, you can get tickets. They're on sale now. Okay. It's not yet sold out. We're doing it at the Moore Theater, which is a beautiful, What's the date? You know? huge space. It is uh, Saturday, which I believe is March 29th. Okay. It is that, whether that Saturday is the 28th or 29th, I'm not sure. But, That's great. But it, it is that Saturday for sure. That's great. Yeah, I think they're I think they're in San Francisco too as part of this West Coast tour, but I don't know whether they've already come here or if they're. I think they already were. I think they did Seattle. Oh, then San I think Francisco. they also did Portland. Okay. Seattle. They're in LA right now. Okay. And then I'm meeting up with them tomorrow in San Diego. That'll be fun. I'm flying. I basically fly out, and then my wife's picking me up, and we're driving straight down to San Diego. Wow. Do the show, and then back we come. So how did you? How did? Um, those guys hook up with with you guys, Ben Acker, who is who is a tastemaker, for me at least. He's always turned me on to music and, and different comedy stuff. He he introduced me to Joseph and Jeffrey. They actually came out uh, to our show in, uh, last May. Okay, which is right before they exploded. So I listened to them a little bit, but they you know they everybody knew everybody. Um, <laughs> So the Bens already had a relationship with Jeffrey and Joseph that was okay. sort of being built, and when they did their when they started really doing like bigger like live shows in Brooklyn, they asked if if we could come do it, just whoever great. you know, which people could do it. So we so, we all sort of jumped on it, and we were going to be in town at that time, 
you know, we made sure we were there early to, to do the show, and it's cool. just great. Cecil's really cool. Um, and he and, and uh, Mark, we already actually, they've known each other since maybe high school. Oh, wow. Earlier, okay. they did theater together in That's Tennessee. Cool. Yeah, I got to see them do their live show at the L.A. Podfest yeah. in October, which was, which was cool to watch. What, what did you think of it live? Uh, it was good. It was good. I didn't know what to expect. Um, and to be honest, I hadn't really heard, even heard their podcast at that point. So yeah. for me, that was actually the first indication of going, okay, this is, in, this is interesting. I wonder how this translates to the, pod, the podcast example. And you're really only hearing Cecil in the podcast, yeah. right? Uh, and so, I mean, it really comes across as very original, um, yeah. which is great. It's so, it's so off the wall and bizarre. I think that's the thing about going to see it live is you don't know. Now, I mean, the people who are super fans of the show, they have expectations. Mm. But, it, but if you're just coming out, you have no idea what to expect. And that works, that, that works I think, to their advantage. Because yeah. you, can't, you can't possibly predict anything they're going to do anyway. Right. Yeah, I mean, episode to episode is so bizarre, and yet they do have this sort of, uh, you know, this continual. They have a, you know, the built-in ecosystem of the, 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 the Night Vale community. Yes. In terms of the characters. Yeah. But then just, just the weirdest oddities that get thrown in, and then they'll call those things back in later shows and stuff. So it really is I fantastic. Love the, the artwork of Cecil petting the the cat that's floating in the men's bathroom. Yes. Yes. That was one of my when I first started listening to it. That was one of the the bits that I kind of latched onto that idea of there was a cat floating you know what I think you know. your time may be up what believe it or not it's oh my time's up but the time has flown it has flown and I appreciate you sitting down and talking to us I'm so glad that we got to, to do this and thank you for coming on a sweet time absolutely that was wonderful yeah uh, have a great show two shows right you guys yes two shows, two shows seven and nine thirty and um, maybe when I get down to LA we'll uh, we'll catch up again that'd be fantastic excellent I will uh, in the meantime see you on Twitter all right <laughs> Thanks, Hal. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Hal for taking the time to talk to us. Also, thanks to Cole Stratton for rescuing my iPad Mini from the hotel lobby where I left it after the interview. Now here's Durst. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about awards season. You best be advised to hunker in a bunker wearing a Kevlar overcoat because gold-plated statues are being tossed around like air kisses at a gown fitting. Like clouds of hairspray in the Beverly Hilton bathroom during the nominee luncheon. Like jaded eyes at a press screening of Transformers 4. And that means it's time for we here at Dursko to recognize and honor the most greedy, pompous, and hypocritical in the realm of politics with our annual presentation of the 2014 Political Animal Awards. So, running the risk of spraining a wrist, patting ourselves on the back, here they are. The We'll Cross That Bridge When We Come To It Award... Chris Christie, the best disappearing act, Edward Snowden, the Oh God No Not You Again Award, Ted Nugent, the Sheep's Clothing Award, Vladimir Putin, the What Was Going Through His Tiny Little Mind Award, to French President Francois Hollande, the Dumber Than He Looks Award, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, the Not As Dumb As His Hair Looks Award, for the eighth consecutive year, Donald Trump. The We Are the Evil Empire Award to the U.S. Defense Department for using drone strikes on American citizens. The Won't Even Step Foot in an Olive Garden Award to Amanda Knox. The Most Important Person in America Award for the third year in a row, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Doctor. For Best Actress, 
Hillary Clinton for her convincing depiction as a woman unsure of her role in the 2016 presidential race. The Your 15 Minutes Were Up 30 Minutes Ago Award to Anthony Weiner. The Best Impression of a Sleepy Lizard in Search of a Warm Rock Award. John Boehner for his performance at the State of the Union Address. And finally, the Ted Cruz Man of the Year Award. Ted Cruz. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. There's your second burst of Wee Willie Durst. You can read his writings at willdurst.com, as well as scan his tweets on Twitter, at Will Durst. Okay, another long show, but until someone emails me at markmarc at suckatashow.com and complains, I will keep doing it whenever we have too many clips or too long an interview. Or... Say a sponsor says they'll only give us money if we keep the show to an hour. That would also work. Now, get out of here and I'll see you on the internet. Just remember to please pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott. Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotage. Goodbye. Fart bungle nutsack.